I'm excited. I believe God has a message for us. If you have your Bibles, you can go to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis, I'm going to do a little something different today. So if you're wondering, don't worry. We're going to get there. Uh, Go to the book of Genesis. I'm going to be reading in a moment from chapter 29. But I want to start by just letting you know what's going on in this series. So last week, um, we talked about the priority of love and about making God your priority, making him priority number one so then you can make your spouse priority number two. Today, we're talking about the pursuit of love. Everybody say pursuit. Pursuit. We're going to talk about the pursuit of love. I'm going to get into that in a minute. Next week, actually, my bride and I, my wife, Chrissy and I are going to be up here tag team preaching, talking about the partnership of love. It's always fun when we teach together and you never know what's going to come out. So uh, make sure you're here. And then week four is a panel. We're going to have a panel up here. We're going to have a little teaching on the purity of love. And then we're going to take your questions. So you can actually text your questions today and next week. So you can see the number right there on on the screen behind me, 916-800-2660. If you would like to text the questions in, you can do that. But I'm really excited today to talk to you about the pursuit of love. Man, I pursued Chrissy when we first uh, got together. I I pursued her and, uh, you know, I I did something I talked about a couple weeks ago where I would actually write down conversation topics and starters because we would get on the phone and we'd be on the phone for hours because we were doing the long distance thing and we're doing the long distance thing and, you know, when you do the long distance thing, you stay up to like 2 a.m. You know you don't really love someone unless you're falling asleep on the phone with them. You guys feel me? And and so we would fall asleep on the phone together every night. But I would have conversation starters because I wanted her to know that I was a good conversationalist. And I wanted her to know that I was pursuing her. Like I cared about what she cared about. I cared about what she liked. I cared about what she loved. Well, within this, as I pursued my wife and, and, and ran after her. I remember, you know, making her a mixed CD. Y'all ever do this? I'm like, babe, I love you so much. Here's a mixed CD. And I mailed it to her. Uh, man, y'all are, maybe you're not like me, but I remember the days I was in junior high, I would record the radio on a tape. Y'all ever, anybody do this like me? I recorded the radio and I have mixed tapes. So I remember the mixtape day, some of you are too young, you don't know this, um, you're not on my level, but that's all right. Uh, but man, finally, I, I was making her mix CDs, but why? Because I pursued her, man. I wanted her to know just how much I loved her, how much I cared about her. And here's what's going down today. 50% of marriages are ending in divorce. Half of marriages in our country do not last. They do not survive. And what I've seen is that one of the big issues is that we have forgotten what it means and what it looks like to pursue the person that we are now together, that we are now married to. We've forgotten what pursuit looks like. And so today I'm going to talk to you about the pursuit of love, how we need to be a people that pursue that other person, that pursue the person that we're married to. Genesis 2.24 says this. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Now, there's a word here that it says, it says, and is united to his wife. This word united in the Hebrew is the word debak. Everybody say debak. And this word actually means cling or adhere to catch by pursuit, to pursue hard, with affection and devotion. So that's what I'm talking about. When you are united in marriage, it's a pursuit. It's a pursuing. And the idea of pursuit is something that must be ongoing. 
that you are continuing to pursue the person that you are married to. It is a lifelong plan, a lifelong process. So let's read. I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 29. If you have your Bibles, you can go there with me. It will also be on the screen for you. Genesis 29, starting in verse number 16. It says, Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Jacob loved Rachel, and he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word, and I pray that you would let me share what it is you want me to share, and we would be able to have hearts that are open to hear what you want us to hear. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. So, I want to say this. In relationships, those who pursue are those that endure. That's what I believe. The relationships that there is pursuit involved are the relationships that endurance will be involved. Those who pursue are those that endure. I, am, I wanted to talk to you today to tell you the importance of pursuit. That we would be a people that pursue no matter what. And so I thought I would illustrate that today with some shoes. Who loves shoes? Man, I know I've seen y'all. Y'all got some shoes on you. Um, you're lucky you got a pastor that loves shoes too. So I got lots of illustrations for you today. So these are my running shoes. They're Adidas. Uh, I got them at the Adidas outlet for I think $39. Because I pursue my wife so much, I'm frugal, so she can go get some manis and petties. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but man, these are my running shoes. And I believe that in marriage, what happens is we pursue the person up until marriage. And then we get married and we think we're good, we're done, we're set. We don't got to work at it anymore. But what I believe is that we got to put on our shoes, our running shoes, because we got to be constantly running after that other person. I don't know, should I run up here? Like, I'm like, you know how people run weird? I'm always, I'm always self-conscious that maybe I run weird. So <laughs> in marriage, we need to have our running shoes on because we need to be constantly pursuing that other person. We need to be chasing after them just like we did when we were pursuing them to marry them. The problem is we get married and we think, oh, we're good, we're set. And we go on cruise control. We go on coast and we wear the wrong shoes. We need to be wearing our running shoes, chasing after that person that God has brought us together with. Now, I want to talk real quick to the single people because I know you're like, oh, I don't know if this you know, applies to me. I'm not even married yet. And it does apply to you because one day you will be married, so you need to listen to all this stuff. But if you're single, I want to talk to you real quick about the pursuit of singleness because I think the Bible talks a little about this, and I, I want to debunk some things that relates to singleness. But first I want to say, listen, I'm kind of old school. I'm, I'm a little traditional. And so I truly believe, like, men, we should be pursuing women. I believe that, ladies, you should want and, and wait for a man that will pursue you. If you're doing all the pursuing, there's an issue. If you're the only one pursuing, I know it's like we're in a day of feminism. I know it was just International Women's Day. Like, I, I get all that. But I'm a little traditional in that I believe men should be pursuing the woman. 
Uh, and, and I think there's biblical backing for this, that men should be pursuing. And ladies, if you're not b- being pursued, I want to tell you, you are worth pursuing. Your worth deserves someone that will pursue you. And so if you're doing all the pursuing, there's a problem. If you're doing all the pursuit, there's an issue. Now, I'm not saying you can't start conversations and you can't let them know you're single and, uh, you know, all, all that good stuff. You can't make your status single on Facebook. I, I'm down with that. But what I am saying is that you can't be the one constantly pursuing with no reciprocation because you deserve to be pursued. Your worth is that there, is, there would be a man that pursues you because he sees the value in you and the God in you and that there's a God call on you. So I, I remember being in college and there was a girl I dated and, uh, and she just didn't really care. And my wife loves when I talk about my college girlfriends. She didn't really, like, care. And, and I remember, like, I, I was pursuing her, and it just felt like it wasn't reciprocated. So I do want to say this. Like, ladies, you need to be pursued, but you also need to reciprocate that pursuit um, towards a man. Like, he needs to know that you care, too, that you care enough. And, man, I want to challenge you because here's the – I want to debunk some, some myths, I think, that we see within singleness. Because Paul in 1 Corinthians 7, he actually encourages us – to be single. He says it's better that you're single. He says it's better that you're single because you're not concerned with the things of this world. You can focus on the things of God. You can pursue God with all that you have. He says it's better that you're single. But then he goes on and he says, but because of sin, because of temptation, it is good for a man to have a wife and a wife and a woman to have a husband. It is good. And so what I've seen, though, is that in today's culture, a lot of, and a lot of men, we're just kind of like chilling. We're just kicking back. And here's the problem with it. We are staying single because we enjoy social flexibility, having time to ourselves, hanging out with the guys, yeah. <laughs> or maybe because we have these otherworldly ideas of what a woman looks like we have this perfection idea for a woman, and that's an issue. I'm looking for the right shoes now. We got too many men sitting back and doing nothing. They're not ever pursuing a woman. And actually, biblically, unless, and here's what the Bible tells us, unless you are dedicating yourself to enhanced ministry, to more discipleship, to teaching the word of God, to missionary work, you should be pursuing a marriage relationship. But what happens is we go, well, it's good to be single. And then we just chill and play Fortnite all night long. <laughs> like that's, that's what these dudes are doing, right? Here's, here's what we're doing. I, I don't have slippers, but my wife does. <laughs> they got a nice little fuzzy thing on top. I'm size 12, she's 7, it works, all right? Slippers, there's no back to them. We got too many dudes just taking it easy. This is the good life, man. I'm enjoying the social flexibility. I'm just hanging with the guys. I'm a gamer. That's what I do. I would tell you that you are actually not living in line with God's word. You should be pursuing a marriage relationship biblically. Because it would be one thing if you were controlling yourself, and you weren't struggling with sin, the problem is these same guys are also engaging in things online, looking at things they shouldn't be looking at, maybe even sleeping around. 
You're actually living in sin. You're not living according to God's standards. That's why you need to be pursuing relationships. But we're, we're good with the slippers. We, just, we like this life. And so within this pursuit of singleness, I wanted to say to you men that Scripture encourages you that growth as a man involves pursuing marriage unless you are dedicating yourself to the work of God, missionary work, discipleship, teaching of the word of God. And so, and I get it, some of you, maybe you just came out of like a bad relationship, maybe a divorce. Listen, you need time to heal, okay? You need to get restoration, you need to get healed, you need to get whole. But I felt like I needed to challenge the men that you would put your slippers down and you would put your running shoes back on. Single men, I'm talking to single men. And you would begin to pursue women, because here's what I found, is ladies in our church, y'all never knew I could preach barefooted, um, Ladies in, your, in our church are coming to me and saying, no men take initiative. Like these men today don't take initiative. And I believe it's a cultural issue we have. Men, if God has given you that desire and you're not dedicating yourself to the work of the Lord, you need to be pursuing relationship. Unless you're in a season of healing and restoration, you need to be start pursuing someone that God has for you. Because he has someone. I believe that's part of growing and maturing as a man of God. Proverbs 18, 22 affirms this. It says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So single people, ladies, you are worth pursuing. Men, it's time to put your pursuit shoes on. Get them running shoes on. All right, let's talk about what pursuing each other looks like within marriage. All right, I want to talk to you about that. What pursuing each other looks like within marriage. First is this, pursue each other with your words. Everybody say your words. Hebrews 3.13 says this, but encourage one another daily as long as it is it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Here's what I would say to you. If you think something good, you need to say it. I'm going to put my running shoes back on. We need to run and be in pursuit of our spouse, and I believe that starts with our words. We have to say the things that we think. Now, I'm guilty of this. My wife will tell you, um, I'm not the best at words of affirmation. But my wife's number one love language is words of affirmation. So I have to really work at words of affirmation. Here's what I found. I think a lot of great things, but I don't say them to her. I think she looks amazing. I don't say it. I think she's an amazing mother. I don't say it. I think she's such a good wife. I don't say it. I think that she has such a great heart for people, but I don't say it. And so within marriage, one thing I started to work at, as I said, Caleb, when you think something, you got to say it. If it's good and it's positive, if it's not good, don't say it, man. All right, but, but if it's good, if it's positive, say it, speak it, release it. And so over time, I've gotten better, and I begin to say the things that God has put in my heart about my wife, because I believe God has put those things there, the positive things, the good things that I see in her. You know, here we see that Jacob, he pursues this woman in Rachel. Now, just so you guys know, Jacob is the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham. This was the beginning of the line of the Israelites, the Hebrews, God's people, God said, I'm going to start a nation. I'm going to start a people group because I need to show the world what it looks like for me to have an intimate relationship with someone. So he starts with Abraham. Then Abraham has Isaac, and then Isaac has Jacob. 
And Jacob now, he's the one that has Joseph and he he has a a, a chunk of sons that turn into the massive nation of Israel within just a few generations in Egypt there, two million people. So he's kind, kind of the last. When we hear about God in the Old Testament, he says, I'm God, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob. The Israelites say, we are sons and daughters of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the Jacob that we talk about. He goes because he sees a woman named Rachel, and he says, I'm going to pursue her. He puts on his running shoes, and he pursues her, but the father says, you're going to have to work seven years for me for you to get this woman, Rachel, my daughter, and he says, I'll do it. That's so countercultural for us. Could you guys imagine having to put in seven years of work to get the woman that you want? Some of you, after seven minutes, you get bored. Moving on to the next thing. We got speed dating today. People are lined up. They sit, they talk for like 30 seconds like, I'm good, and move on, right? This man says, seven years I'll work for her. I'll toil for her. And if you know the story, you know that he goes into the, the wedding chamber the night of his wedding, and she's got a veil on her face, and he sleeps with her, consummates the marriage, and he wakes up in the morning, and he looks over, and he says, oh, snap. Because it wasn't Rachel, it was her older sister, Leah. Some of y'all have had this experience. Unfortunately, you woke up in the morning, you looked over and said, what? Oh, snap. Not living according to God's word. But this is what happened to him. He looked over and said, what just happened? He gets up, he goes to his father-in-law, he says, what did you do to me? I worked seven years for this woman, and you gave me her older sister. And he says, listen, in our tradition, you can't marry off the younger sister before the older sister, so I need you to work another seven years for her. He says, okay, I'll do it. Works another seven years. This idea of pursuit is something I don't think we understand anymore. We don't work like we need to be working at our marriages. We don't put on the running shoes and pursue that person that God has given us. And it starts with our words. Second is it comes from your affection. Everybody say affection. I want to say, men, that there is such a thing as non-sexual affection. I don't know if you knew this. My wife had to tell me about it when we first got married. She's like, you know there's affection that isn't related to us, you know, being intimate. I'm like, really? I didn't know that. Um, So, man, you need to learn this. You need to learn what it means and looks like to have affection. I know in the church, like, we start talking about sex and we start talking about marriage and people get uncomfortable. This is where we need to be having these conversations. The Bible talks about it about it and we're scared to talk about it in the church and then we wonder why our marriage rates are just as bad as the world's because we avoid it because we feel uncomfortable but I want to tell you that if God talked about it we need to be talking about it this idea of affection is something that we as men are not always good at but we need to give we need to work at not only that But there are people that will come in and try to divide us from the affection and the relationship we should be having with our spouse. I remember when I first married my wife, and and I'm like, listen, uh, we had a, a hard conversation where it's like, you can't talk to your sisters about our relationship more than you talk to me about our relationship. I've talked to men who talk to their mommies about their wife more than they talk to their wife about their wife. That's an issue. You guys have heard of these things called in-laws, right? 
Sometimes they can get in the way and cause a, a dividing factor in our relationships. And we have to stand firm and say, we come first. Chrissy and I come first before anything else. This relationship matters most. And so there's times when people will come in. Maybe it's a coworker, Maybe it's a mother-in-law. Maybe it's a sister. Maybe it's your own mo mommy. And you got to stand your ground and say, i got to protect what's mine. And here's what I'll do here. I'm going to put on, these are the Kobe's. These are, I don't know if you all know about, these are the Kobe 10s, so a couple of years back. But I play in these. I put these on, my arrogance level goes up significantly. I'm just telling you. I got to pray to the Lord. Like, Lord, give me peace. They call me the pale mamba. <laughs> uh, but, Lord, give, give me peace. But we got to, in our, in our relationship, there's a time. When we got to go black mamba on some people. They're trying to get in the way. They're trying to divide what God has brought together. Whether it's in-laws or people at work or friends. And you got to put your shoes on and say, uh-uh, you're not coming in between this. You're not going to divide what God has brought together. That's what I'm talking about. See, the black mamba, he don't mess around. He don't play around. That's what we need to be. We need to put, be putting on those shoes that we protect what is ours? We protect what God has brought together. And that starts with our affection. It has to be a part of our relationship, our affection. 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 5. Here's what it says. You guys are, are going to like this one. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband somebody say amen the husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights babe I'm all yours and likewise the wife to her husband for the wife does not have authority over her own body come on somebody but the husband does likewise the husband does not have authority over his own body uh-huh but the wife does do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer. But then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. This is affection. You see, affection is also sexual. And I believe God gave us sex as a gift. And you know what breaks my heart when I talk to married people? And they're telling me, man, our sex life is just broken. Talked to a couple the other day. We maybe have sex once a month. And I'm not saying there's a certain amount of times, and this is a young couple, there's not a certain amount of times you have to have sex, but I am saying that God created it as a gift, and there's something about it. You see, the, the world, they give us a contract of marriage. You know that, right? You get a contract. It's a legal contract. And now you're married in, before the state. So in this marriage before the state, you can get you know, better tax breaks, and there's a few other breaks you can get. But I'm here to tell you that I believe what the Bible says is that the sexual connection, that consummation, is actually where God says you are one. It's where God brings you together as one. And that's why sex outside of marriage is not something that God intended. Because he meant for it to be this bonding agent this unifying factor of souls, one writer called it the mingling of souls, that your souls actually mingle together in the sexual act. 
And so this intimacy is the connecting of your souls together, and that is when God says, now you're one. So what happens is every time we come back in sexual relationship with one another, we're intimate with one another sexually, there is a recentering that happens in the marriage. And I can tell you this from experience. My wife and I, the best part of fighting is making up. Because every time we feel divided, we feel far from each other, we come together intimately. I'm talking about sexually. We feel close again. Some of those little things that have been bothering us, they don't matter anymore. Why? Because God gave us this gift to mingle our souls, to recenter us, to reconnect us to one another. This is the affection that I'm talking about. So we must pursue each other in this affection. Me and you in our relationships. If you are married, pursue one another with your affection. I probably should have gone barefoot in this part, but that would have been weird, so I didn't want to. Just a little joke. Come on, guys. Number three is your actions. Pursue each other with your actions. Everybody say actions. James 4.17 says this. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is a sin. Guys, I want to tell you, your actions need to show your wife that you're pursuing her. Ladies, it's not all on us guys. Because sometimes we try to make it like it's all on the men. Ladies, your actions need to show that you are pursuing the other person. You are pursuing your spouse. You're pursuing your husband. But our actions need to show it. I'm talking to you men. I mean, there's so many ways that we can show by our actions that we are pursuing them. I talked to a dude, I talked to a dude the other day. He's like, man, bass just aren't my thing. I don't do bass for our kids. Man, like, dishes aren't my thing. I don't, I don't do that. Housework, not my thing. Guess what? Dishes are not my thing. Giving the kids baths are not my thing. Doing housework is not my thing. But I do it. You want to know why? Because I want to support my wife. Because I want to love my wife. Because I want her to, sh to see by my actions that I'm still pursuing her. And so I come home the other day, I came home, and it was, it was late, and she had fallen asleep putting the kids to bed, and the kitchen was a disaster. And I was mad. I'm like, seriously, woman, you can't even clean up the kitchen? And then I start thinking, she was with them all night, she cooked them all dinner, she took them up, gave them all baths, got them ready for that bed, read them a story, and fell asleep. Who am I to then get mad and say, I'm not cleaning anything? And so I went in the kitchen, and I cleaned up after this mess in this kitchen. It took me 30, 40 minutes. But let me tell you, that showed my wife that my, in my actions that I was pursuing her, that I cared about her, that I see, I see how hard she works, and I value her. It's about pursuit with your actions. Now, I, I brought my, these are my work shoes. I know, this is sad. The first service was like, you don't even have any work boots? I'm like, no, look at me. Do I look like I do like manual labor? <laughs> I don't. So these are my work shoes. They sit in my garage. They're some old busted Nikes. Right? They sit in my garage, and when it's time to do yard work, I put them on. And when it's time to... To, to do anything in the backyard, I put them on. When it's time to get in the garden a little bit, I put them on. When I got to mow the lawn, I put them on. This, these are my work shoes. Anyone ever needs me to help them move, I put them on. They're comfortable. 
They're, they're, they can get dirty. I don't care. So I put them on. You got to put on your work shoes, men and women. If you're going to pursue the person that God has given you and attached you to, you got to put on your work shoes at times. You got to do the hard work. You got to labor. You got to work. And finally today, and if the band would come back, if we're going to pursue each other, we pursue each other with your asks. Your asks. What are you asking for? I think that one of the issues in marriage is that we have all these unwritten expectations. We have all these unvoiced expectations. And as a result, we have unmet expectations. If you need something, you got to ask for it. This is some of the best marriage advice I could ever give you, is that you would voice what you need. I remember my wife and I, we, uh, we were about four years into our marriage maybe. No, a little more than that. Six or seven, I don't know. And all of a sudden we had two kids and we had a third kid and my wife was so overwhelmed with our house and laundry. I don't know if you know, once you have like five people in the house, there's a lot of laundry. And so I went to her one day, I said, look, what if I start doing some laundry? Because up until then, she wouldn't let me do laundry and I was okay with that. But she's like, I don't like how you fold. <laughs> I don't know how to do a trifold towel, y'all. I still don't. But she would say, I don't like how you fold, so let me just do it. Let me just handle it. But then I realized, I was noticing that she was stressed and overworked. And, and, and our house, you know, she wasn't able to catch up ever. I said, let me start helping with this. And she's like, I should have asked you a long time ago. It's those asks. We got to ask, we got to voice our expectations. Now, does that mean that that person then has to do every expectation or meet every expectation we have? No, there's something called compromise where you talk about it, you discuss it, but you still got to ask because what happens is we begin to get bitter. We begin to harbor stuff in our hearts and in our spirits against another person that God has called us to love. And so we have to begin to ask do you ever not ask God for what you need and what you want? No. When you want something, when you need something, what do you do? You go to him right away and you pray to him and you ask him for it. And some of you are asking for things you don't even need. It's the same way in marriage. We must ask for what it is that we need. Ask it for what it is that maybe we're getting bitter about. Ask for what it is that's in our heart. And Here's what I, I want to read from Revelation 2.5. I'm taking this verse a little out of context, but that's okay. It says this, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. Do the works you did at first. And I read this and it made me think about marriage. It made me think about another pair of shoes we need to put on. You see, in marriage, there's often... Something that Chrissy and I do, these are chucks. These represent nostalgia. These represent going back to what it was like in the beginning. You see, sometimes I think the reason we don't pursue is because we've forgotten 
what it was like when we pursued in the beginning, at the front. And so one thing my wife and I do, we go, we have a date day every Friday because Friday's our day off. And so we go do things together. We usually work out together, uh, go to breakfast together, and we just talk. And often what we do is we go back and we reminisce. We have moments of nostalgia. And so she'll say things to me like, hey, tell me about the first time you saw me. And I could be like, that's dumb. Like, I ain't trying to do that. That's so cheesy. That's so corny. Or I could say, you know what, girl? The first time I saw you, the angels were singing. The glory of God shone down. Recently, we were reminiscing about the first time I ever flirted with her. Because we were at a lake. We had, it was this like lake party. And we were, we were swimming in this lake. And as I was swimming, this like dead fish came to the surface right next to me. And I took the fish and I threw it at her. I mean, I was 21, but for a second I was 12. When you love, when you love a girl, you do some weird things. I said, babe, I was flirting with you. I don't know why I threw a fish at you, but I thought it was hilarious. A dead fish at that. I don't know how long it had been dead. But, but we reminisce about that. We remember that. It's the same way with God. I often tell our church and people I talk to, I say, sometimes you got to look back before you can move forward. Because you look back at the faithfulness of God, you can know that he won't leave me moving forward. If he did it there, I believe he'll do it again, as we just sung. He moved mountains before, he's going to move mountains again in our life, in our relationship. And so we have these moments where I put my chucks on. We have some nostalgia. Go back, look back. It's a special moment. You know, we got to pursue the person. Pursue the person that God has given us. And I think we've lost this idea of pursuit. I'm thankful for a God. I'm going to put my running shoes back on to finish this. I'm thankful for a God that pursues me. You know God pursues you? He doesn't give up on you. He never abandons you. I know some of you are in here and you're broken right now. You've gone through a divorce in this place. And you're hearing this about marriage. You're like, man, I I wish I could have that. But I already messed it up. I already blew it. Or maybe you just feel broken as a person. You're like, I'll never have something whole like what you're talking about. But I believe we serve a God that pursues us. Our God never takes off his running shoes. He's always coming after us. He's always running after us. His grace is wide and deep and long. His grace is for you and you and you and every person in this place. Why? Because he loves you more than anything. And he pursues you. He would pursue you. He leaves the 99 for the one. For you. But you know, if you continue to read in this passage... You see that time goes by. And Jacob, he finally marries Rachel. They have children together. He also has children with Leah, his other wife. But finally one day, Rachel dies. She dies in childbirth. 
and he's heartbroken. I mean, this is the love of his life. He still has this, this other wife that he got tricked into. But I mean, this is the woman that he loves. And he's heartbroken. And the Bible actually says that he's in a valley. And he constructs this altar to God in honor of his wife, Rachel. So he's in this valley, and it says that he's so distraught, he's so downtrodden, he's so discouraged that he actually wants to quit. He wants to give up. He wants to lay down. But then if you read, it says he builds this altar. But then Jacob moves on. You see that? It says, then Jacob moves on. He moves on to the future. He grabs Leah, and he grabs Joseph, and he grabs Simeon, his son. He grabs Reuben, his other son. He, he grabs Benjamin, and he moves on to the new things that God has for him. And I felt like I needed to say this to you today because there's some people in this room that you've gone through some stuff. You've gone through some brokenness in relationships. You've gone through divorce. You've gone through pain. And God is saying to you today, you wanted to quit. Maybe you want to quit right now. But I'm here to tell you, I'm pursuing you. I love you. And it's time for you to move on. To move on because I still got new things for you. I still got greater things for you. And some of you in this place have held yourself back from the future that God has for you because of the brokenness of your past. And I want to tell you right now, it's time to move on. Is anybody excited to this place that you're moving on? Excited in this place that you can move on in your life? I thought y'all would be more excited about this today. That we would move on. We got to pursue the one that God has brought us to. I believe the church should have the best percentage of marriage in this world. That we would be people that say, it's hard sometimes. It gets rough sometimes. My wife and I, we fight, man. She's Filipino. She's crazy, y'all. Like, she, she'd be bringing the pain. She'd be bringing the thunder. She's passionate. We fight, but let me tell you something. We make up, and we keep pursuing one another, and we mess up, and we get up, and we keep moving on. We keep moving forward. We don't stay stuck. We move to what God has for us. So I want to tell you that God still has something for you. He still got someone for you. He still has a future for you. But it has to start with us pursuing Him because He pursues us. Are you pursuing God first and foremost in your life? Would you bow your heads with me? Cross this place.